We are in the middle of a sermon series called Fireside, because there's a fire. Fire. Um, we were talking about a sermon series coming up, and I had this idea that the church doesn't get to go to the campfire devotionals we have often with student ministry, and I thought that'd be a good sermon series. So here we are. We're hitting the, we're doing the greatest hits of campfire devotionals in sermon form. And, uh, there are bulletins. It's hard to see with the, the glare coming in from the outdoors, but there's tables back here. If you guys haven't gotten a bulletin, I think there's still some back there. Uh, there's passages of what I will be talking about in here. And there's this communication card. Inside the communication card, you can fill it out. There's things to check off uh, if you'd like more information or need help. And there's a spot for a uh, prayer request. We believe prayer is powerful here. And uh, we have a prayer team that prays over the prayer cards. They're the only people who see it. They don't talk about what you're asking because it's all confidential and we want to keep it that way. So if you need a prayer request, that's a great way to put in a prayer request. There are a few announcements I would like to go over. Um, first, uh, Tiny Giants is our marriage retreat coming up in just a couple of weeks. We're going down. Yeah, woo! We're going down to Giant City State Park down by Carbondale. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend to get away without children. And yeah, I'm looking at you. And uh, where we can get away as couples and learn how to better our marriage. Um, something else that is coming up at the end of October is the GAC Fall Fest. Woo! Yeah, the crowd went mild. Um, we uh, did this a couple years back. Obviously, we didn't do it last year because the Rona. Um, but uh, we did it a couple years back, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, so if you did a booth a couple years back, and you haven't already been contacted by Tim, I'm going to say, talk to Tim about, hey, do you need me to do that booth again? He's already contacted a few of us, I think. I know he got a hold of me. And he was like, hey, would you be willing to do these two booths? And I'm like, yeah. And cook. Yeah, that would be awesome. We'll just make it a booth. Uh, so that's coming up. Something else that's not in your bulletin that I would like to to bring up. We talked about it in our core leadership meeting. Um, Greater Alton is doing pretty good right now. We're in... Okay, Greater Alton and financial stability never used to go hand in hand. Okay? We're, we're, we trust God. We're leaning on God. Um, that being said, uh, during the month of November, we'd like to try something. So uh, you hear me talk about on Sunday mornings that we have these baskets in the back. And if you're a guest, we don't want you to give. We didn't bring you here to get something from you. We brought you here to give you something. We want to share God with you. We want to share his word with you. Offering is for our members to, to help support the family of God. That being said, during the month of November, we are not going to collect a contribution. We have, we, I mean, well, if you really want to, we're not going to say no, but what we would like to do is instead of the contribution you would normally give to the church, take that contribution and give it to somebody in need, do something with it for someone else during the month of November. We will have ideas for you guys. If you're like, I don't even know what to do with this or how to go about it. We're going to flesh this out a little more. It's just, I'm bringing it up now at the beginning of September so we can pray and we can think about who needs our help and where we can help and, and what we can do with the, 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 the resources God has blessed us with. So that I'm just putting that out there for you guys now. 
early. So it's not like, hey, November 1st, we're going to do this now. So we're not just springing it on you. So it gives you time to think about it. Um, with campfire devotionals, uh, usually you have five or six nights around a campfire, hopefully weather permitting. And the devotionals, the, the, way, we, the way we plan camp is it builds as you go through the week. So like the first day, you show up at camp and it's, it's light. It's camp light because honestly, counselors don't even know the kids usually. And, uh, if they do, it's because they've been there before and like, Oh, Malachi, what's up, bro? And, uh, and, and you gotta, there's, you gotta get to know each other. You're figuring out cabins, you're figuring out schedule, how everything works. And so it, first day is really easy and it's just like intro to camp. So it's camp 101. But as you go through the week, it gets a little bit deeper. So in this sermon series, the first thing we talked about was what passion actually is. That, that term entheos, which means filled with God. And we talked about how if we don't have that passion or if we've lost that passion, a way to get it back and a way to maintain that passion is to walk with God daily, is to trust God daily, and is to worship God daily. And I have said those three things in multiple different orders because they're all important. There's not one that's more important than the other. So it doesn't matter what order I say it in. I got to do it, right? I got to, I'm going to say it in a different order again. I got to trust God daily. I got to worship God daily and I got to walk with him daily. Last week, we talked about having a passion for God's Word. And we talked about how we need to be in God's Word because I can't trust Him, walk with Him, or worship Him. It's next to impossible if I'm not in His Word and understand what He says into my life. Um, We talked about how the Word makes us wise for salvation and shows us where our sin is. Today, we're going to talk about having a passion for our sin. And that might sound kind of strange. You see... I did you a disservice last week. I forgot a passage I wanted to read. And I want to, I want to read it to you now. You see, in Ephesians chapter 6, um, God tells you to take up the whole armor of God. And then he tells you to pick up your sword. God tells you to pick up your sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I really wanted to end last week on that. And I got really excited. And I forgot to read that passage, but I wanted to start today with it because pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How did you do this week with your passion for the word? Were you guys really passionate on Monday? And then like Tuesday, you're like, yeah, oh yeah, the word. And Wednesday, you're like, oh, okay, the word. And Thursday, what? And, and Friday, and here we are on the weekend. If that is you, I'm not making fun of you. I've been there. We have all been there. You've made some first steps this week. And I want to encourage you to continue those steps. It's a new week. You have a day off, or some of us, not everybody, has a day off tomorrow. That's a great time to get in God's Word. It's a great time uh, to join a, a Bible study on version. We talked about that with Sarah last week. And she changed her name to Sarah Lenore Jones. Right? Lenore? Yeah, a little bit easier. Um, and, and, or I encourage you to do it in your small group. Get into a Bible study. Because the Bible is going to point out our sin. We read in James that the Bible is like a mirror to our life. And I, and I talked to you about how I get up in the morning, I don't brush my hair. I do brush my teeth because I love my wife. Um, but I don't care how I look when I go to work. New pants came in on Friday so, because my, my work pants patches had patches. So I'm going to like look almost presentable Tuesday morning. Um, but we talked about how 
you're a fool if you look in a mirror and you don't change the way you look. And the Bible is our mirror. It points out the sin in our life. So today we're going to talk about having a passion for our sin. And I'm not saying like, yeah, I'm going to go sin. No, there's, I'm passionate about not sinning. Does that make sense? Um, the word is going to guide us. The word is going to point out us and it point out to us our sin and it's going to show us where it needs to be removed. Um, this devotional at camp, um, usually on Wednesday night or Thursday night, we play a game and the games are intense. Like we sent people to the hospital because of these games like the one, the one year I was like, you know, what? we're going to play glow stick tag. That's, that's less brutal, right? They broke a counselor's arm in glow stick tag. The field we were playing glow stick tag in when we were done looked like we murdered glow sticks because the field was glowing with the blood of glow sticks. So night games at camp, especially with the middle school and the high school age group, will be intense. And we we play a lot of games, a lot like Romans and Christians, which um, the the teens are Christians and they got to get from point A to point B without getting caught by the Romans and the counselors of the Romans, and that can get intense because there's a lot of running and screaming and crying. Um, we play sheep and wolves, where it's the same kind of premise, except in your group you have a wolf. So there's wolves out who are trying to capture you, but there's a wolf in sheep's clothing in your group trying to capture you. And like all of these games have a point, like there's a devotional that goes with all of them. But you see, when you play the same two games, like every other year, it loses something. The teens are like, oh, we're going to play Romans and Christians tonight because the counselors are all wearing black because they know that if the counselors are all wearing black, if I'm wearing pants at camp, I wear shorts. So don't get the weird idea. But if I'm put, if I put on pants at camp when it's 90 degrees out, we're doing something crazy. Um, we might be driving a truck out of the forest. That's happened. That was awesome. I loved that Devo. Um, but these games get intense and, and Cassie and I wanted to do something different this, this one year. And, and so I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Pilgrim's Progress um, I thought it was something everybody learned growing up, but I went to a Lutheran school and I attended a Lutheran church. And so, like, I guess they had to come up with things to teach us because uh, we're always learning about religion. And this story uh, is it, it's really cool. It's really hard to read because it's like old English. But the premise is, is there's this guy named Christian and he's going on a journey. And as he's going on this journey, he starts accumulating burdens. So he starts accumulating these things and he's got this burden and it keeps getting bigger and it keeps getting bigger and it keeps getting bigger and it's hard to carry and it's weighing him down and it's slowing him down and he doesn't know if he's going to make it. And it, and the burden is an analogy for his sin. It's for the wrong. It's for the, the rebellion in his life. And as he's going, it just keeps growing. It just keeps growing. It's weighing him down. It's making it hard to walk. It's making him hard to breathe. And finally, he gets to the foot of Christ. And Jesus says, lay your burden down. And he gets there and the burden just falls off. Because now he's at Jesus' feet. And he is Christ's. And it's it's a really cool story. Again, it's really hard to read. Uh, if you want to look it up, you can find it on the internet for free. Um, but I took this idea and we made a game out of it. So the teens had teams 
at camp, and each team had to pick up four objects and make it to the campfire. And, and it was really cool because each object represented something about our sin. You see, we need to be incredibly serious about our sin because sin is serious. In 1 John 3, verse 4, it says, Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. In Romans 3.23, it says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You see, everyone in this room has sinned. We are all guilty of something. And all sin does the same thing. It separates us from God. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And we have to be serious about our sin. You see, uh, Cassie and I went out and saw a movie last night. And it was uh, Shang-Chi. That's the name of it. I keep saying the wrong name. Shang-Chi. It was really fun. It was a good, really good time. But like, we're very aware of the types of movies we go see. We're very aware of what goes through our eyes. Because I want to be passionate about my sin. I don't want to just go watch anything and let anything go into my body. Whether it's what I listen to, what I see, what I eat. I don't want, I'm passionate about my sin. I'm not going to go watch, fill in a movie. I could say funny, funny, funny movies that are vulgar. I could say any movie. I'm not going to watch it because I'm passionate about my sin. You see, there's a story, um, this young man wanted to go watch a movie that he knew he shouldn't have watched. It was rated R, uh, gratuitous nudity and cussing and gore, whatever it's rated R for. And he wanted to go see it. And his mom's like, I don't think you should because you're putting that in your body. Oh, mom, I'm strong enough. It'll be good. It'll be fine. She's like, yeah, but it's, it, it'll cause you to sin. No, I can handle it. It's fine. Well, okay, but you can go later tonight. Okay. And during the day, she baked some brownies. And, and before the boy left, she's like, okay, hey, before you go to the movie, I want you to eat a brownie. Oh, darn. Oh, dude, brownies are my willpower that kill her. Uh, if you don't cut it, you only eat one. And he's like, oh, darn, I got to eat a brownie. She's, so she's like, okay, but before you, before you eat this brownie, I, I want to let you know what I did, how I made them. I made them really special. You see, I, I fed the dog, um, like, just really bad food. And then I followed the dog around until the food came out, and I scooped it up, and I mixed it into the brownie batter. But it was only just a little bit. It's just a little bit. And I mixed it up in that brownie batter. So there's just a little bit of dog turd in the brownie. I don't want to eat that brownie. Why not? There's a little bit of dog turd. Well, you're going to see this movie. That's just a little bit of sin. You said you're okay with it. So why aren't you okay eating this brownie with a little bit of dog turd in it? Yes, I'm talking about dog feces in church. But we need to be passionate about our sin, right? Just a, just a little bit of sin's okay. No, it's really not. Now, I say all that knowing we are all guilty of sin. I am guilty of sin. Now, my sins that I, 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 I struggle with have changed since I've become a Christian. I used to struggle with like cussing and drinking and, and stuff like that. And now I struggle with overeating and speeding, but it's still a sin, right? I, I, I sin, I speed, especially in my wife's car. It's bad. It's really bad. And I'm really trying, like on the way here, I did a really good job doing the absolute speed limit. I'm really proud of myself because it's not my car. I'm borrowing somebody else's car and I really don't want to get pulled over in it. But that's not the, that's not the point. I need to be passionate about my sin, right? 
Romans 6.12 says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Sin can control the way we live. We can be controlled by our sin. Do not give in to its sinful desires. Don't give in to it. Yes, it can control you, but we can, we can stand up to it. That God, God is passionate about our sin. Do you know that? God is passionate about our sin. If God is passionate about our sin, we should be passionate about our sin. So what does scripture say about our sin? Well, I told you I need audience participation this week. So I need a few volunteers who are not afraid to stand up in front of the church. I know Sarah's going to. She, I already given her hers, but I need a uh, Drew. Get on up here. You're perfect. Andy and James, come on up here. And Sarah, come on up. Okay, Drew, you're going to be right here. Andy, you're going to be right here. Sarah, you're going to be right here. And James, you're going to be right here. Perfect. Okay, they're going to have objects, and it's going to be awesome. So the first object that these teams had to pick up during this game was something really heavy. So what we did is we took a five-gallon bucket and filled it with sand. Okay, now that doesn't sound that bad, right? We took the handle off the five-gallon bucket. And these teens had to walk a couple of miles through the campsite. So, Drew, you were incredibly lucky that my truck broke down this week. Because that happened. So I had to change some of the objects. So all I need you to do is hold this. Just hold it like that. Don't set it down. You see, our sin is heavy. Our sin is heavy. In Hebrews 12.1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that will so easily trip us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You see, I I make the joke, the only thing that runs in in my family is diabetes because we don't run. But wouldn't it be great if I could just strip off everything that hinders me and just run? Wouldn't that be great? Nothing needs to be chasing me. I don't need to be worried about something that's about to kill me. I can just run. God tells us, spiritually, we can strip off everything that hinders us, the sin that entangles us, and we can run. Our faith can allow us to just run. We can... Oh, man. Is that not exciting? Like, we can advance the kingdom of heaven. We can run and advance the kingdom of heaven. We don't have to worry about stuff holding us back. This church doesn't have to be held back because of sin. Because we can confess it. We can get it in the open. I tell our teens, anything that grows in the dark is not healthy for you. Think about that. Anything that grows in the dark is not healthy for you. So bring it into the light. If it survives the light test, it's going to be okay for you. If the light doesn't kill it, you can eat it. So like... I think of stuff that grows in the dark that I don't like to eat because it's going to kill me. But stuff that uses the light, like think about cucumbers and and watermelon and green peppers and jalapenos and all these things that take light. And then like delicious things like steak that eat the stuff that grows in the light. Yes, love it. So I can run by getting rid of the stuff that hinders me. I need a drink.
watching you hold all that water. At first it was, it's not that heavy. Yeah, at first it's not heavy, right? At first it seems easy to hold. At first I can hold it. Just like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, at first the burden wasn't bad. But the longer he got, the longer it went, the heavier it felt. At least I'm not making you hold it out like this. You're very welcome. All right, the second thing. Now, in the uh, in the game, I had this giant box. And it was empty. It was a giant cardboard box that was empty. And it was windy that night. And so they had this huge box. And they had to walk around with this giant, empty cardboard box in the wind. It's not heavy. But it was awkward. And that giant box separated them from the rest of their team. So, Mila, she threw her trash in here. So, Andy, hold it like this. Yes! So it's not heavy, but it's awkward. It's awkward to hold. It's awkward to, like, you can't just walk up to somebody and have a conversation while you're holding the trash can, right? Our sin is awkward. Our sin separates us. Isaiah 59, 1 through 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities, your sins, have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. In Galatians five seventeen, it says, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Sin is awkward. Sin, it, it separates. If sin wasn't awkward, oh, I got Jews all over my Bible. If sin wasn't awkward, we would be able to talk about it freely, right? If sin wasn't awkward, it wouldn't be so hard to confess that you've been fooling around with your girlfriend or boyfriend. If sin wasn't so awkward, it wouldn't be hard to confess that you got drunk last night. If sin wasn't so awkward, it wouldn't be hard to confess that you did 70 and a 25. If sin wasn't so awkward, it wouldn't be hard to confess that you baked a cake last night and then ate the cake before anybody knew you baked it. I did not do that. um, Cake is not very friendly. I don't like cake. Brownies, ice cream cake, you know, cookies, done. I'll eat a whole pack. But if sin wasn't awkward and separating, we would be able to freely confess it and not feel shame. If you are here and you were caught in a sin that is entangling you, I want you to understand you do not need to feel shame with the people you are sitting around. Because if you knew what they did, you would feel a little bit more comfortable sitting here. Because you're like, oh, all these people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, because that's exactly how you thought. You're like, oh, that person. <sighs> no, I mean, there there are people guilty of any type of sin in here. Oh, I don't know if there's a murderer in here. Jesus said if you hate a person in your heart, you've murdered them. Guilty of murder. Jesus said if you've lusted after a woman with your eyes, you have committed adultery with her. Guilty of adultery. We are all guilty of sin, and it is all awkward and separating. And I want, I want to put this out there. I want to put this out there. 
I've had conversations with people who was like, well, you know, we've talked to God about it and he's okay with what we're doing. You dialed the wrong number and you talked to the wrong God. If what you are doing goes against the word of God, it goes against what God says. If you're praying about it and your feet and you feel, you know, he's okay with this. You're praying to the wrong God. Just putting that out there. Sin is awkward and it is separating and it keeps us away from people. You know, something else. Yeah. You know, the beauty of working in a steel shop is if it can be made out of steel, you can make it. I love Sarah. Can I tell you sin is obvious? The third object the teens had to get was a cowbell. And you're playing a game at night where stealth is kind of an option. But if your team, and I made those cowbells big. If your team is walking around a camp holding that cowbell, and we made a rule you couldn't hold the the stuff on the inside. So it had to make noise. You could not walk around a camp at like 10 o'clock at night when it's supposed to be quiet and not be obvious of where you are. And it was hilarious when the teams would get to where the cowbell was, you knew. Any place you were in the camp, you knew if a team got a cowbell because you could hear it. And by the end of the, by the end of the night, there were four cowbells. So like you could echolocate the teams throughout this camp. Like even if they were down in the creek or out in the forest, you knew they were there. Sin is obvious. It is so obvious. Look at this next passage. It's in uh, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, Now the effects of the corrupt nature are obvious. Illicit sex, perversion, promiscuity, idolatry, drug use, hatred, rivalry, jealousy, angry outbursts, selfish ambition, conflict, factions, envy, drunkenness, wild partying, and similar things. I've told you in the past, and I'm telling you again, that people who do these kind of things will not inherit the kingdom. In Colossians 3, 5 through 9, it says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Sin does not always seem obvious to us. Sarah, rattle that. But it is. Even if your eyes were closed, you knew where Sarah was. It may not always seem obvious to us. We may think we're hiding it really good. And you may actually be hiding really good. Your sin may be hidden and nobody else in your life knows about it. But God does. It reminds me of the... um, I I did a cross-chat lesson called the Lois Lane Complex. Um, Lois Lane doesn't know Clark Kent is Superman. It doesn't know Superman is Clark Kent because he wears glasses. But you know, now that everybody wears masks and I can't recognize anybody with a mask on, I kind of feel it and I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. But it's true. We have a hard time recognizing it, but that's just like me looking at Lois Lane 
saying, why do you not know he's Superman? God's looking at me like, why do you think that sin is hidden? The Word of God lays it all out and lays it all bare and shows me. It shows me where my sin is. Too often, too often we want to sacrifice our calling for our comfort. We surrender our righteousness for what we want right now. Too often. And sin is so obvious. It may not be obvious to us, but it's obvious to God. And it's a problem that He has made a way out of. The last object the teens had to pick up was something small. And uh, I've sealed it. You're welcome. Don't open it. So, I really wanted something awesome for the final object. It was so good. I had one of the guys concoct something for me. He took a sock. There is a sock in there. And he covered it in deer urine. Stink bait. Old fish. Um... There was like three other ingredients in there. And it stank. Oh my gosh, was it bad. It was, do not open that. It was so bad. The best thing was, is we had them sealed in two plastic bags inside a five-gallon container, and you could still smell it. It was great. And the teens had to pick them one up, one sock, and carry it with them. To the campfire. Our sin stinks. Our sin, our sin is a stench. In Isaiah 65, 2 through 5, it says this, All day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. A people who continually provoke me to my very face offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on altars of bricks, who sit among the graves and spend their nights keeping secret vigil, who eat the flesh of pigs and whose pots hold broth of impure meat, who say, keep away, don't come near me, for I am too scared of you. Such people are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that keeps burning all day. You see, our sin is a stench in the nostrils of God. Think about how bad the inside of that container smells. Don't open it. (laughs) Do not open it. Because this room will smell like that. You will smell like that. It will be all over you. Just like our sin. Our sin gets all over us and it's a stench in the nose of God. Can I tell you though there's something cool about the aromas that go up to God in Psalms 141 verse 2 it says this, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. You see our prayer, our worship can go to God and be something good smelling. In Revelation it talks about that too. Our worship can go to God and it can smell great. But our sin is a stench. You see, at our old house, we used to have problems with skunks. And uh, they were living underneath the trailer that was in the lot behind us. And our old dog, you would think after the first time he got sprayed, he would have learned. But no, it took two turns for him to learn. 
You see, I was in our bedroom getting ready for work one morning and all of a sudden I just, I was like, oh, there's a skunk out there. And I was like, oh, oh my, there's a skunk out there. I bet. And I heard, I'm like, yep, that just happened. (sighs) Called my boss. I was like, I'm going to be late. My dog's an idiot. And, and I got out there. I'm like, I don't have any tomato juice. What are we going to do? Are you just going to be outside all day? And, and Cassie found this concoction that works really good to get the smell of skunk off. It's equal parts Dawn dish soap, hydrogen peroxide, and water, I think. There might have been vinegar in there too. I don't know. But it worked great. Like the first time I like gloved up and I put on other clothes and I scrubbed him and then, and the, and the smell was gone. The second time I didn't even put gloves on and the stink did not stick to me. But like it was obvious that Eli had gotten sprayed. Each time I could smell it in our, our house stunk like a skunk for a week each time because it got sprayed right in the corner where our bedroom was. I was like, gosh, dang it. Did you know that God has a remedy too for our sin, for the stink of our sin? It's the blood of Christ. And you know, just like that stink lingered, sin has a way of trying to tempt us back into it. But if you're washed in the blood of Christ, you don't have to worry about that stink sticking to you. Just repent of your sin and turn back to him. So we have these objects. We have the weight, which Drew is by now wanting to sit down. And Andy, you can barely see his face. And Sarah, she's got this noisemaker that's obvious. And James has this thing. I put a clean, I put a clean sock in this morning. I would not do that to us. This is freshly washed. I'll take those. Thank you, guys. Give me a round of applause for my beautiful assistance. Just set that on the chair behind you. Drew had the worst of it. I purposely did that one first. You see, I hope these objects have given you guys an idea of the seriousness of our sin. The weight. The weight of your sin. You see, it's our sin that put Christ on the cross. That's heavy. That's heavy. There's an awkwardness to our sin. It separates us. It just, and, and it separates us from God first, but it also separates us from the people that, of God's family. I want each of us, not just you sitting there, but I have to too, every day, look deeply into our lives. Where is there sin? You see, sin is rebellion. Mike, I'm not rebelling against God. Not on purpose. But every time we sin, we rebel against the law of God. Is there something that you need to confess? I would encourage you to be open in your small group. If you don't have a small group, small groups meet throughout the week. Some of them are virtual still. Talk to those who are closest to you. Be open. Confessing is the first step to repentance. You have to get it out in the open. Put it in the light. Sin grows in darkness. Get it out in the open. Get it out in the light. On your communication card, you can write down, hey, I, I'm interested in a Bible study. I want to learn more about this sin. You can write a prayer down. We have to be serious about this because every sin is rebelling against the law of God. Mike, Jesus came and he got rid of the law. No, he did not get rid of the law. He fulfilled the law. There's a difference. If we live apart from Christ, the law is still there and the law is still applicable. 
Christ just fulfilled it. So if you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, the law is fulfilled. But if you're not, the law still has hold of you. And sin still kills. Just like the skunk smell, the blood of Christ will wash over you and get rid of that stink that is sin. If we don't take care of sin, it's going to kill us. James 1, 14-15 says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I used to have a bumper sticker that said, Lead me not into temptation, for I can find the way on my own. I don't need a whole lot of help sinning, right? I... uh, my grandparents, they sold their house in Florida and, and moved a bunch of stuff up here. And my grandma used to have this cookie jar. It was a Tigger cookie jar. And Tigger's holding the pot of honey. And like, everybody kept asking, do you want grandma's cookie jar? Do you want grandma's cookie jar? And I kept saying, no, I don't want grandma's cookie jar. So I have grandma's cookie jar. And um, I washed it and it's on our counter. And uh, I went and bought two boxes of Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies. And I filled Tigger with the chocolate chip cookies. And Cassie is watching me do this, and she goes, do you think that's smart? Probably not. Can I tell you I've done really good? There is still a box of chocolate chip cookies, at least I think, in that Tigger. I haven't, I've only eaten like one or two every other day. I've done really good. But I don't need a whole lot of help falling into sin, right? There's these desires that I have that aren't always good. And if I'm not careful, they'll lead me into sin. And Scripture says sin will kill me. But I've been washed in the blood of Christ. You see, in uh, in Scripture, there's a group of people called the Nicolaitans. Uh, you read about them in Revelation. And we don't talk about them a lot because there's not very, mentioned very much. But do you know what they believed? They believed that it did not matter what you did in this body as a Christian because you've been saved. That's not true. I'm not just going to go keep on sinning because I've been saved. I'm not going to just keep living the life I was living because I've been saved. I'm not going to crucify Christ all over again because I've been saved. No, I wasn't saved for that. I was saved to worship my God, to live my life, to honor my God, and to promote His kingdom. I wasn't saved to just do whatever I wanted. And we have to be serious about sin because God is serious about our sin. Everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. That's how serious God is about your sin. He sent His only Son to die a death that we deserved, not that He deserved. We have to be serious about our sin. And nobody here can be more serious about your sin than you are. I mean, people can try to be more serious about your sin than you are, but it ain't going to do any good. Because you have to be the one that wants to change. You have to be the one that's serious about God. In Matthew 5, 27-30, it says, You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body 
than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. There aren't a lot of handless, eyeless people walking around right now. But that doesn't mean that we're not this serious about our sin. And I don't believe there was a lot of handless, eyeless people walking around in the first century church. But Jesus was telling these people, you have to be serious about your sin. If there's something in your life causing you to sin, cut it out. Get rid of it. Move it. Maybe that means you need a friendship change. Maybe that means means you need a geographic change. Maybe you need to get out of there. I don't know what that looks like in each of our lives. But I do know what salvation looks like in each of our lives. You see, John 3.16, again, God sent His Son. His Son died on the cross for us to wash away our sins. His blood is that awesome concoction that gets away the stench of sin. And it's His blood that saves. You see, in Galatians 5.24, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. I don't know where you're at. I say that every week because it's true. I don't know where everybody's at in this room. I hardly know where my own family's at most of the time because everywhere. But I know this. We are all guilty of sin. We have all rebelled against the king. Whether intentionally or not, we have all rebelled against the king. And therefore, we are all guilty and sentenced to death. That is what sin does. The law sprang to life and killed me. Because I have broken it. And that's the cost. But I know this. God loves us so much that from the very beginning, He planned to send His Son. He planned for His Son to come and save us. He planned a way that we can live with Him eternally starting today and that we don't have to worry about the problem of sin. We don't have to worry about the awkwardness, the separation, the weight, the stench, the obviousness of our sin because we can live in the light and anything that can grow in the light is good for us. If it grows in the dark, it's bad. And our sin, when it's brought into the light, is going to be burned away. It's going to be washed away by the cross and by His resurrection. Today, wherever you're at, you have the opportunity. You can confess your sin. You can repent of your sin. That just means to turn in the opposite direction and live a life opposite of the way you've been doing it. Because our sin separates us from God. That's a spiritual death. There's this giant chasm between us and God because of our sin. And you know, there's a mediator. There's one mediator between God and men, and that is Christ Jesus. He bridges that gap. And if you're here and you have questions about that, talk to somebody that you know, that you trust, that invited you, that you you feel comfortable with, and talk to them and like, hey, what is Mike talking about? Can we open up Scripture and can we look at what it says? And get that sin problem taken care of today. We've one more week in this sermon series, one more week of our awesome setup. Next week, we're going to wrap everything up and we're going to talk about the passion. The passion. I hope that your extended holiday weekend, if you have one, is going great. I hope that you're safe. I hope that you are challenged by God's word. And that your life can be better because of the, what you're learning in it. 
And I'm praying for the whole church to be in his word and have a passion for it this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son, for fixing a problem that we couldn't do anything about. We could do our best and our best was still not good enough. We couldn't even live by the law you set for us because we're imperfect, Father. But your son was perfect, is perfect. And he came and he lived a perfect life and died a sinful death, a sinner's death, Father. He died a death he didn't deserve. And then he conquered death, Father. I'm so grateful for the sacrifice that was made for all of us. Help us this week, Father, to be passionate about you and about your word. Help us to be passionate about our sin, to be so serious about it that it turns heads, Father, that people who knew us one way and see us now are like, what happened? God, I want to be that person for your kingdom. I want to be that person that people can see and say, hey, God did something there. Not Mike did something, but God did something. Help us this week to be the church. Help us this week to be your hands and feet. And just, God, keep kindling that fire that is our passion. Help us to not let it go out. Help us not to abandon our passion. I love you, Father. It's in your name I pray. Amen.